Father, we thank you for the Lord's Day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to uh, enjoy a Sabbath from our rest, or from our work, rather. Um, uh, the opportunity we have to gather as your people, called by your name to receive um, nourishment from you, from your own hand, um, to worship you as we've been created to do in spirit and truth. Father, we pray now that as we uh, prepare for worship by um, talking together, that you would bless us with your spirit, you would grant us wisdom. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Um, so this week I decided to, um, given the providence in our church of, of Jeannie Davis's death and the funeral that we hosted here yesterday and um, the burial service that we did, um, to, to deviate from the plan, which was to continue to talk preterism. We'll get back to that next week. But I just thought it would be good to take a week just to talk about Christian burial and funeral practices and why they matter, and just to kind of give you some pastoral encouragement and counsel um, to think about these things. Um, I want to begin just by, I, don't, I know some of you were here yesterday um, for the funeral service, and I just want to commend publicly um, Jeannie and Jerry. I'm thankful for their lives in a whole host of ways, but I'm thankful for the attention and care that they gave to planning for their deaths, that they um, had, had communicated clearly to their families their desires, that they um, had, had you know, done the work necessary to ensure that their bodies would be buried um, in a cemetery not far from here in North Richland Hills, um, that they had... Um, desires to have a church funeral and to have um, uh, uh, the opportunity for us to worship together and to praise God even at their death. I think that takes foresight and planning and intention, and I'm grateful for it as a pastor because I think that, you know, Jerry's death four years ago and uh, Jeannie's death um, this past week gave us as a church opportunities to do things that we wouldn't have otherwise had the chance to do in terms of gathering together, publicly mourning um, their death, um, uh, being able to commit their body to the earth in a way that I think is not only a, a way to honor their lives, but actually is a service to all of us um, to be able to go through that process together as a church. And, and so I'm just grateful for them and grateful for um, the model that they um, give to us in that way. And I want to talk about some of those things today. Um, so I just basically have three points this morning that I want to put before you, and it's okay. You don't have to walk out of here today agreeing with me on every one of these points, um, but I just want to give you these things to think about because I think increasingly um, death is not something that we like to talk about. It's kind of awkward, right? Um, but it's a good thing for us to think about. It's a necessary thing um, for us to have, have um, wisdom about and to consider as we think about our lives. And, and part of the reason I'm bringing things, these things up is as I say here, I have this little sentence under the three points, there's an assumption that I'm making, and that is that our practices around death as a culture are not value neutral. Um, that, that there are some really you know, important um, milestones in our, in our lives, right? Um, you think about marriage and all the rituals and practices that go around marriage. Um, those are not value neutral practices, right? Um, there is such a thing as Christian culture that exists and Christian marriage practices, um, even for weddings and that kind of thing. In the same way, um, your death is going to be something that is a really, you're not going to be present for it, but in terms of everyone else's experience of it, is going to be a really important thing. Um, and there is such a thing as Christian 
practices around death, Christian funeral practices, and they're not just neutral. Um, it, there is such a thing as Christian culture. And by Christian culture, I don't just mean, you know, Christian contemporary music, right? Uh, maybe that's something that you enjoy, but that's not primarily what I'm talking about. Right? I'm talking about there is such a thing as Christian culture that we're seeking to build and to participate in together. Um, and things like weddings, things like funerals, um, are, are substantial and important practices um, in participating in a culture that is distinctively Christian as opposed to cultures that are not Christian. And if you, you know, you can easily do a, a study of throughout the ages and look at all the funeral and death practices of different cultures and times and, and draw conclusions, I think, about what those cultures valued and what they believed regarding death, what they believed regarding salvation, what they believed regarding the value or the lack thereof of the human body, these kinds of things. And so I think it's important for us to be thoughtful and to realize that each one of us has a little tiny piece to play in Christian culture, in um, creating something, a cultus, an a, a, a atmosphere um, where uh, things that we believe about the gospel are plausible, um, not only to us, but also to others. And therefore, our death practices matter, our practices around death. So here's my three things I want you to really consider and think about. Um, first, that it's wise for you to intentionally plan for your death. Um, only the Lord knows um, our days. Um, and obviously, some of us are going to feel this tension more than others based on our age or our health. Um, but I do think it's something that even, even as middle-aged people, we should begin to think about. We should be talking to our spouse about if we're married. You know, what are my desires regarding death? I know that maybe is an awkward conversation, um, but that's what wisdom is, right? It's having awkward conversations so that you plan well for the future and for contingencies that you can't necessarily anticipate. And so I just want to, that's kind of my first basis, is that let's, let's be thoughtful about how we think about uh, funerals and what happens to our bodies after our death and what our desires are. Um, let's have conversations about these things. Um, you know, I talked about this some in the sermon yesterday um, for Jeannie, but it really seems to me that we live in a culture that um, doesn't know how to talk about death, at least in specifics. Like, we can talk about it in the abstract, we can watch TV shows that have death all over the place, but it's always out there, it's always detached from us somehow, right? It's very hard for us to talk about death in our own lives, right? To talk about our parents, or with our parents about their deaths, or to talk with our spouse about, you know, what happens when we die, uh, whatever it might be, or talk to our children about death. Those are just hard conversations, and I think they're hard in our culture in a way that they weren't necessarily uh, 50 or 100 years ago um, in this nation, that, that there has been an increasing um, move away um, from a willingness to talk openly about death. And part of this is the reason is because of how people die these days, right? People almost always used to die in their homes, and now people don't, largely. People die somewhere else, um, and you don't necessarily see dead bodies. You don't see people die in the way that you would have done 100 years ago. Um, and we can talk all about those kinds of things, but I think it's just, it's worth saying, death is a difficult topic in our culture, but it's a, it's a conversation worth having that needs to happen, that should happen, if we're going to be faithful uh, believers, I think. So as you have those conversations about your plans for your death, here are the two things I would love for you to think about. That when you could, first, when you consider how to care for your body after your death, I would strongly encourage you to plan 
for your body to be committed to the ground in Christian burial instead of being cremated. Um, you, I mean, we'll talk more in depth about this, but this is increasingly a, a really substantial question. I was talking yesterday to the funeral home director as we rode to the cemetery about cremation and, and burials and how, you know, how normal what we're doing is now and how, and he was just saying, it's just, you know, he, he's been in a business for 30 years or 38 years or something crazy, um, basically since he, you know, was like 20 years old. And he was just saying in his own lifetime how much it's changed, basically, how cremation is basically the default option now in a way that it wasn't at all when he first got into the business, business, so to speak. Um, so it's just really interesting just to hear him reflect on those changes that, that cremation has become so, so popular these days. And he was talking about some of the reasons for that, cost and other kinds of things. Um, but it was just interesting. And I think it's worth thinking about that is a... a, a a really significant cultural shift that has taken place in the last 50 years or so um, in, in America, in our nation, in Texas, right? That 50 years ago, it would have been very unusual to be cremated. Today, it's not at all. It's even a majority practice, I would say. Um, uh, that It's something that is almost normal and that wasn't normal. And whenever, I think whenever a cultural shift like that happens, whatever it is, we should be like, huh, well, let's, Let's think about that. Like, cultural practices don't just change randomly, right? Especially when they're as well entrenched as something like, like burial. Um, so let's, let's think about why is that? Why are people um, not burying their dead, generally speaking, anymore? Why are they um, using cremation as a way um, to, uh, to care for um, the bodies of their loved ones? And we'll talk more about why I think burial is, is the preferred Christian option. And secondly, just this is a lesser point, but it's connected. And that is just simply to say, to communicate to your loved ones that your desire is not only to be buried, but to have a, um, a service, a funeral service in your church, in your local church, with your body, your casket present uh, for that service. This is just something I've noticed in my own ministry, um, and I'm, I'm guessing that it you know, stretches back before I became a pastor, but it just seems increasingly to me that it that people are, are electing to have services after their death in funeral homes. Um, and I don't have anything necessarily against funeral homes as an institution. Um, I do think you know, there, we should have some questions about uh, different ways that funeral homes operate. But I will say, in my view, a service after a, a Christian believer dies is not the province of a funeral home. It's the province of the church. And I understand that the funeral, the, the pastor comes in usually and does the service there at the funeral home, but there's just something different, fundamentally different about having a service in a funeral home that's on sort of neutral territory, a place you'll never go again, um, and having your service in your church where you received the means of grace all of your life, uh, where you worshiped, where you sang hymns, where people will come and just like we do today, right? We had Jeannie's body right here, and we have the flowers right here to prove it. And we're today going to receive the sacrament and to say together, I believe in the resurrection of the dead um, when we recite the creed. And those are all things that are, it's good for the body. It's good for all of us to do that. And I'm going to talk more about that. But that's my, I would just encourage us to think about that as well. All right, let me just run through some of these sort of underpinning ideas why I think Christian burial is important, why it matters, why you should choose 
for your own body to be committed to the earth instead of cremated after you die. Uh, First, and this is an argument that's important to me, um, which is an argument from church history. Yes, sir. Yeah, please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And I, just a note that I wrote, I suspect that atheists want to be cremated to thwart God's plan. Mm. You know, they say, the fires of hell don't scare me. I've been through that within days of my death. Just try to send a pile of ash to hell. Yeah. So I think they really think it's their last. I mean, I, I don't disagree, John. I think that there's... Yes, there, certainly there are people who just are cremated and they don't have any, they're, you know, they're not thinking about it, they don't have any deeper motive. But yes, um, certainly, it is something that's really fascinating, is, which is that if you look at the history of the world, there are some exceptions, Egypt would be an exception to this, um, but largely, ancient pagan societies burned their dead. That's what they did. Like, if you, if you look back and you do the research and you, you see, that's, that's typically what happened. And it's actually one of the most distinctive sort of public practices of first Israel and then the Christian church was that they didn't bury their dead. It was unusual. It was distinctive. It, was, it stood out. And that's exactly what we see in the early church. Um, uh, Philip Schaff, who, who writes the, the, the large um, series, uh, the volumes, History of the Christian Church, you may have seen, He says this um, about those early Christians. He says, The primitive Christians always showed a tender care for the dead under a vivid impression of the unbroken communion of the saints and the future resurrection of the body. For Christianity redeems the body as well as the soul and consecrates it as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Hence, the Greek and Roman custom of burning the corpse was repugnant to Christian feeling and the sacredness of the body. I think that's a helpful quote because he points out not only the historic practice of Christians in the early church and how it was different from the Romans and Greeks, um, but he points to two of the theological reasons that I think are really important when we think about burial, which is, first of all, that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit and that we believe that they matter, that God has created them, he called them good, um, that he um, dwells within them even, the scriptures teach. Uh, by His Spirit, that they are temples for His dwelling place. And then secondly, that we believe that the bodies of the dead who are in Christ will be raised and given everlasting life, and that, that when we commit a body to the earth, it is an act of faith. It is an act of faith. Yesterday when we put Jeannie in the earth, we said, we're doing this believing that she will rise again, and that therefore her body matters. It's important. It has value, and we're going to dignify it in that way. Did you have a question, Kathina? Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, there may be logistical challenges, especially if you know we still have ten thousand years of of human history to go. And and I would say we're nowhere near that point in terms of the reason that cemeteries are you know um, getting. If there is if there is an issue with cemetery space, it's not because there's not lots of land. It's because people are choosing not to build new cemeteries, which is gets back to the larger cultural problem, or at least what I would say would be a problem, or a shift at least, we can at least say that. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yeah, I do not disagree that it is it is more expensive than cremation, Alexis, and I, I understand I agree that's a reason a lot of people uh, choose to be cremated instead of buried. Um, and I'm not speaking into your specific situation, um, but I would say, just generally speaking, we all spend money on things we think are important. Like that's what we do with our money, right? I mean, if you show me your bank records for the last five years. I can tell you what you think is important, like in a, in a way that will probably be more accurate than if I just ask you what you think is important. Um, and, I, and I think just what I'm talking about here is a, what I would love to see is a, a cultural shift where we say, yes, there are costs associated with burial. Yes, it's something that if I'm going to do, I'm going to have to plan for. I'm going to have to think about in advance. But it's worth it. It's worth doing that. It's worth setting aside money, it's worth um, being, being intentional in that way. And, and again, I'm not speaking into your specific situation, Alexis, but what I am saying is that I am, I'm talking about a broader cultural shift, that, that there, are, there are always options, um, or there are usually options in terms of the way that we spend money. And what I'm saying is that I think burial is, is something that we should think about with intention. Yeah, there's a hand up, David or Lena. Uh-huh. I think that I would so here's what I would say. A couple things. I don't th I think that being cremated does not inhibit the Lord God from raising your body from the dead, okay? We'll just say that um, you know, the the resurrection of the dead is a miracle. Um, that does not follow the natural laws of nature, so to speak. And so God is not inhibited um, by raising the bodies of the dead who are cremated any more than he would be inhibited by raising the bodies of those who are eaten by wild beasts. Um, you know, the Lord does that. He, he is able to do that. Secondly, I would not go so far as to say cremation is a sin. Um, I would not say that it is a sin against God in, the, in some kind of you know, because the scriptures don't explicitly prohibit cremation. What I am saying is that I think our cultural practices matter and that we need, I would strongly encourage people to not just sort of go with the flow culturally, which is moving, you know, like a rushing current towards cremation as, and if you look at industrialized nations across the world today, this America is actually lagging a little bit behind. Um, almost every Western European nation Almost, you know, the percentages for cremation are like 90 percent. 
Um, Japan, it's like 99.97%. Um, you know, there are, our, our global society is moving more and more towards cremation. And what I w want us to say is, why are we doing that? Is that a wise thing to do? Is there a more Christian way, historically, theologically, biblically, even more, most importantly, that we should care for our dead? Does that help? So I'm not, I'm not saying it's if you cremate your, your loved one or if you're cremated that you're sinning against God. What I'm trying to say is, hey, time out, everybody. 50 years ago, nobody did this, and now we all think it's normal. But it's not normal, historically speaking. Let's think about it. Let's have a conversation and look at what the scriptures teach and those kinds of things. Yes? There are all sorts of connections there, yeah, and, I agree. And the same thing with the, the thing about um, the prevalence of having a Christian, like having being married in your church. Being mar yeah, I would make the same arguments for your wedding if and any of you were thinking about getting married. Get married in a church. No, that, that's right. That's, that's a huge part of the argument I'm making is that, that death, just like marriage, is not simply a, a, some sort of private family affair. You actually are a baptized person, and you belong to the church, and you should think about your practices more through that lens. Let me, KB and Todd both had hands up. Let me hear from them. Right. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to get to that in just a minute. You're exactly right. Yeah, if you look at the survey of, of biblical history, it's impossible to see a very prominent trend. It's okay. What's up? Yes, that's true. Yeah, and that's... Yep, there was... Yep, nope, that's right. And that is something to think about, just as we think biblically, theologically about these things. There are some exceptions to this rule, but generally speaking, how is fire talked about in the Bible? What is it for? How does God use it? To judge people, right? <laughs> like, that's, I mean, just thinking big picture, biblically, theologically about, about different concepts in the Bible, fire is always associated, almost, not always, almost always associated with judgment. Occasionally it's a purifying thing, that kind of thing, but usually it's a sign of the Lord's explicit judgment on a culture or, pe or a person is that they're burned with fire. Something to think about. Yes, sir. Returning back to the cost question. Yes. Is, is it possible that you might think in creative ways as a church? Exactly. To yep. be able to fund that, let that be part of a ministry, and, and that way we're all kind of corporately putting our money where our mouth is? That's exactly right. Yeah, so Todd is saying, what can we do about this financial issue that is a real thing? Are there ways in which the church can push against this and make it more available for families um, as an option financially? I absolutely think so. One, one thing to say is that this is one of the, you know, the funeral home business, like any business, is a business, right? They're trying to make money. And so there are, yes, there is a sort of high-end burial option, but if you push for it, there are also 
much more um, reasonable burial options. Um, some of the research I did this week in thinking about this lesson, you know, guys who have been in the funeral home industry basically say, look, um, yeah, if you go for a high-end casket and you do the whole shebang and everything, and you get embalmed and all that, yes, there is, it's going to cost you some money. But there are less expensive options. Um, and that actually, if you do the math, um, if you, if you, you know, there, it may only be three or $4,000 difference between cremation versus getting buried, um, which is something to think about. The other thing to think about in terms of what Todd is saying is that one way that churches used to help people bury their bodies is by having what on their property, <laughs> right? right? We'd have a cemetery right over there. Um, and there are all sorts of really, I think, good reasons to do that, not just practical reasons, but it's good for all of it. It would be good for us to walk past the graves of those who have died in Christ in our church. It would be good for us to be able to go visit them after church. Um, so certainly that's something I don't, I've never explored any of the practical things or talked about with the session, but um, you know, I think it's something that we certainly have some land right now. It's something that we could at least think about. Yes, ma'am. We thought nobody was interested and we all had something to say. It's great. Yes. And how many weeks did we spend finding their remains? That's true, yeah. And here we are in a culture where we cremate people, and yet it is rightfully so important mm -hmm. for us to go and find their remains. Yeah, and, and identify the remains and figure out yes. who's they who's they were and, and yep. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right, that this matters. This really does no, that's true. That's a great point. Yeah, so Carrie's making the point about after 9-11 how there was a real emphasis and a lot of money was spent and time to identify whose remains were whose and, and make sure their families had the ability to receive them and decide um, how, to, how to care for them. And that's right. That, is, that does speak culturally to this memory we have. Um, I'm least, I want to talk through just real quickly the, um, before we run out of time. The scriptural, I want you to see from the scriptures especially. You can read the Augustine quote, I think it's great. Um, you can see in the Reformed Confessions that it's explicitly talked about. I can guarantee you none of the Westminster divines, the people who wrote the Westminster Confession, would have even conceived of the possibility that someone in their church would have been cremated. Like it was just, it was just not a thing that people did. It was um, as... Uh, Schaff says it was repugnant. It was just a, a thing that people recoiled from and said, of course we wouldn't burn the body of our dead. Of course we would bury it. And you see that in our confessional statements. There's this assumption that the body of believers, being still united to Christ, do rest in their graves until the resurrection. And the assumption that why it says graves there is because that was like assumed. Of course, you'd be in your grave after you die. Where else would you be? That would be where you would, would reside. Um, the same thing with the director of public worship. When any person departs from this life, let the dead body upon the day of the burial be decently attended from the house to the place appointed for public burial. Like this is just what you did. This was the norm. Um, the second Helvetic confession, Reformed confession, says actually that the scriptures command that the bodies of the faithful be honorably and without superstition be committed to the earth. Um, 
So why, why do we think this is important? One of the main reasons is because of the practice we see in the scriptures. I'm just going to walk through this. And I've, this, if I went through the scriptures and showed you every place that a person was buried, it would, we'd be here for several hours. Like, it's what happens to every person in the Bible if you go back and read to the end of their life. David died, he was buried, right? Solomon died, he was buried, etc., etc. This is just the norm. But I think there are some that are more interesting than others. One of the most interesting ones for me is in Genesis 23 when Abraham goes through this whole rigmarole um, after Sarah dies to purchase a field, right? Do you all remember the story? Like he has this whole bargaining thing with the Hittites and he really wants to get a field. Why does he want a field? Because he wants to bury his wife in the land that God has promised to him. And that's what we're doing when we're burying. We buried Jeannie yesterday in the land that God has promised to her, right? God has promised that the world will be remade and restored and will be made into the new creation. And I think that's one thing to think about your death. Like, actually, when you purchase a little plot, you're, you know, even after your, who knows what your kids are going to do with your house after you die, right? You know, they might sell it to whoever and I don't know, who knows what they'll do. But if you buy a funeral, a cemetery plot, you're going to have at least a little piece of earth that's yours, right? That you're, you're invested in, that is going to belong to you. And yeah, maybe... In 100 years or 200 years, someone's going to take it from you and you're not going to have it anymore. But at least you can say, you know, this is my spot. And I'm buying it because I think it matters. Because I think that it's going to be a part of the new creation. That the Lord is going to not only re, you know, raise my body from the dead, but he's going to renew and restore all things, including that little cemetery in North Richland Hills where we buried um, Jeannie and Jerry uh, four years before. And that's, you know... I think it's interesting. Like, there's something deeply biblical about that, about laying claim to part of the creation that you think God is going to renew. Um, Abraham not only buys that field to bury his wife, he makes sure his sons bury him there, and Isaac and Ishmael go back after Abraham's death, and they bury him in the same field. Uh, Joseph, if you, it's a very interesting story at the end of Genesis, right? Joseph is, grew up um, in the Promised Land, but, but then uh, went to Egypt and lived there most of his life. But after his death, what does he tell um, his brothers and his sons to do? Keep my bones, right? And bring me back with you when you return to the promised land. I want to go back. I want to be buried there. It's very interesting. It's actually a very fascinating theme, I think, just in general. Um, from a biblical theological perspective, Joseph's emphasis on his bones not being buried in Egypt, but going back to the promised land the land that God had promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, his forefathers, that Joseph wants to, he thinks his body matters. He thinks it matters that it's interned in the earth in a particular place, which is really fascinating. And then that is picked up hundreds of years later in Exodus 13, and then finally the end of Joshua, we're told that they buried the bones of Joseph. They actually did it, even at the hundreds of years past. That they brought the bones of Joseph out of Egypt, and they buried them in the promised land during the time of Joshua. A really fascinating thing happens at the end of Deuteronomy where uh, Moses dies, right? The Lord takes him. He looks out on the promised land. He can't go in because of his sin and the Lord, and he dies. And then the Lord does something. We're told explicitly that the Lord buried his body, that God himself buried the body of Moses and no one knows where it was, where it was buried, right? That was, but I think it's just interesting to think about that, that when we bury the bodies of our dead, we're actually following the explicit example of God himself, that God himself buried, committed to the earth, 
the body of the man whom he loved and had this intimate relationship face to face. We see this also in the New Testament, John the Baptist, after he's beheaded and his head is given, in this really gruesome scene, right, to the um, to wife of Herod, or the daughter of Herod, rather. Um, his disciples come and bury his body. They think it matters. I don't, I mean, who knows how, I mean, did they get the head back? I, I don't know. But it didn't matter. His body mattered to them. And even without a head, it mattered. And so they committed it to the earth. Lazarus was buried, um, which is really fascinating because even just, you think, I mean, that story doesn't make any sense if Lazarus had died today, right? He might have been burned two days after his death. And I don't know, I mean, maybe, I don't know. It just, the whole story hinges on the fact that he was buried, right? We shouldn't not skip over that. And it's really fascinating when um, you read John 11, even after his death, Lazarus is referred to in personal terms, which is really interesting. If you look closely at John 11, um, it says that, that Lazarus um, had been dead um, four, de- you know, four days. Um, uh, that, that there's a sense like when Jesus goes to, to Mary and he says, he, he wants to know, he doesn't say, where's the body? He says, where's your brother? Um, where is he? Um, and it's just really interesting how the Lord personalizes the body of the deceased as acts as though it is still Lazarus, even after death, which is the Christian way of referring to a dead body, right? We don't say, oh, you know, this person is not here anymore. Um, they're gone. This, this is just an empty husk or shell. We, no, we say, we buried Jeannie yesterday. That's what we did. Um, there is a, a personhood of the body that continues even after death that we want to maintain and think is important. Uh, perhaps the most important scripture argument for burial is that our Lord Jesus was buried. Right? We enter into the life of Christ. We live in union with him. We imitate him. We die. He died. We die. He was buried. We are buried. He was raised from the dead. We are raised from the dead. I mean, this is the, basically the entire logic of the rest of the New Testament is that the Christian ethical life is an imitation, uh, living into a participation in the life and death of Jesus. And it's important for us not to skip over the fact that Jesus was buried. And so when we commit ourselves to the earth, we are literally imitating Jesus. We're literally following him. Right? We're doing what he did in the same way that he did. He was allowed himself to die and then was buried, trusting that the Lord would raise, that the Father would raise him from the dead. And we um, act in the same way. Um, Stephen was also buried. You see that explicitly in the early church, that that burial practice was not just an Israel Old Testament thing, but actually Stephen, after his death, after Pentecost, after he was stoned, Acts 8 explicitly says that uh, men who loved him came and buried his body and made lamentation over him after he was stoned, the first Christian martyr. Um, okay, I'm, I think there probably might be some other questions. So I'm going to stop there. Yes? Um, I actually had dinner this morning trying to figure out how much it would cost. Yeah. Yes. Unless you, you get a sealed casket, mm-hmm. like within 24 hours, mm-hmm. which would preclude then people seeing the body. Right. I mean, almost it would preclude that, yeah. except for immediate family members. So how do we manage that? 
save money and not spend $15,000. Right. Just steal me up and skip the embalming part because that's so expensive. Yeah, and that's and I would I I would certainly recommend for a family who who is really struggling with the financial cost of it right. that that's a much better option than being cremated well, in my view. <clears throat> yes, you you can literally get a covered box. That's right. Yeah, I think I think part I think part of finance is a huge thing. I, th I mean, I think we should see this as a political issue that we should we should um, work um, in our, within our political system to think about laws that are that are you know probably influenced by the funeral home constituency, <laughs> um, you know, to to make um, burial and realistic financial alternative for people. And part of that is laws around embalming. Um, yeah, I think I mean I think that's, a, that's just, I understand the concern. Um, I would say I would certainly encourage someone if you feel like the cost is too much. Yeah, you don't have to be embalmed. You can be, and I would love for people to be able to see your body and all those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, I'd most of all, I'd like for you to be, be able to be buried. Yeah, and I would say. That's the question. I mean, one interesting example to think about that is at the end um, of the Gospels, the anointing of Jesus' body at Bethany. And the woman comes and she uses this bottle of nard, right? And it costs a year's wages. And the disciples are, especially Judas, is concerned about, what about the poor? You know, probably means, what about myself? But, um, but Jesus says what she did was right. She's actually anointing my body for burial, it says. That, that I, and so I think this is part of what I'm trying to help us to see is that I don't, I mean, I don't think you should be frivolous with your funeral, but I also don't think it's, I think it's actually a good, like if you have the resources, it's okay to get a nice casket. Jeannie had a nice casket. I'm glad she did, you know, um, that actually these are things that matter even in a, in a cause we, we dignify what we think is important. And I, I think when we, there are ways in which I would encourage us even to think about spending our treasure to the extent we have it on our on our funerals. Yes, sir. And I'll come back to you, KB. Jeff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it is, that is a fundamental reason we do it. It's a testimony to the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, KB. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. There, and and I, we need to wrap up here. Um, maybe one more. Yes, Tama. It is. Sure. Yes, you don't have to buy it from them. That's a good point. Yep. Yep. We'll do it for free if you're a member here. Just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. Um, that's exactly right, Tama. Uh, that there, it's something that you have to. Certainly, if you go to the funeral home, you're not going to get and just say, "Tell me how to." What's the cheapest funeral I can get? Like there, there are other options. They're not going to necessarily answer that question as straightforward, which, you know, we're not casting, I mean, everybody's trying to stay, feed their family, so I get it. Um, but we need to be thoughtful about this kind of thing, just as we are with everything else we buy um, in our lives. Um, so, which, which is, yeah, just something to keep in mind. All right, I just want to say this. I know that this is a personal, potentially sensitive topic, and I've just said, I've said some strong things, and I want to encourage you to think about what I've said, but if I've offended you or you're frustrated with me or you have questions, just come and talk to me. I'm happy to talk to you about these things. I'm just largely just kind of big picture trying to say, hey, guys, let's talk about this uh, because I think it matters. And I think that, you know, we should not ignore 20 centuries of Christian history and untold centuries of biblical history. If we're going to make a major cultural shift in our practices, let's at least like talk about it and have some good argumentation reasons for it. Um, so, so just think about that. Let's continue to think about this as a church. I think it was really important for us to think about death and burial. And I just, again, want to commend uh, Jeannie and Jerry. Thankful for them. Thankful for their, the way that they've demonstrated this for us. And, and I'm, I praise God for them. Let's stand and pray. Father, we're grateful for, um, above all things, uh, that you have made creation, you've made our bodies, you've called them good, you love them. And it is because um, not only our souls, but also because of our bodies that you sent our Lord Jesus um, to bear our sins upon the cross, to himself be raised from the dead on the third day. And Father, we thank you for the future hope that we have of resurrection, um, even of our bodies, even after they die. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be thoughtful, for each of us to be um, intentional with the choices we make, um, that we would uh, we'd be wise, not only in terms of um, uh, our own preferences, but in terms of what your scriptures teach and, and even uh, testimony to the world around us about what we believe. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.